Hello. You didn't use it at all. <laughs> I know. No, no, no. I'm supposed to use my normal speaking. <gasps> Wait, we should have started this with an echo. Hello. 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 It's just a thing that whenever I, I'm being recorded, I get nervous, and then I have to speak in my Transylvanian Dracula voice. Hello. Is this a therapist? <laughs> Let's talk more about my relationship with my father. No. <laughs> He's my father. <laughs> that would be extremely awkward. Okay. Um, hello. Welcome to Legendary. We are a podcast about legends. About. <laughs> <laughs> I would never have guessed. Okay, listen. If you want me to introduce this, I'm going to just do this. My way. Okay, yeah. Thank you. Part two, as I was saying, we're a podcast about ancient legends that's going to be handled by my somewhat annoying younger sister. I was hoping you were going to be like my associate, my colleague, my expert in ancient things. My unfortunate genetic relative, the Shira. (laughs) I'm going to be handling modern legends. By modern, I mean basically everything, you know, after Socrates. Everything AD. Everything AD. And I'm Rishalia. So those are two really hard to pronounce names. Just call us the Indian girls. <laughs> <laughs> so, how's your, how's your lockdown going so far? Was it like day four of continuous confinement? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. I'll be spending with you, so. Oh, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel attacked. No. I feel attacked. Right the start, now. the start up is a therapy session, so. What do you think? I have to say, I don't know. No, no, wait, that wasn't <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I have to say, I've been thinking a lot about. Like, um, prison confinement. This is not in any way like prison confinement. No, but it is kind of like the whole thing of you have this limited living space, you have this small area where you can get that daily exercise, you have your bed and, and you know, <laughs> your, <laughs> your kitchen, which is like a cafeteria where you go and eat and everything, and like everything is very routine, but the main thing is that you can't get out from the walls of the prison camp. So, I mean, it's... I mean, it's, it's a very comfy prison. Like that. So, I mean, yeah, I was just thinking, I think for if you stay even with your family members for a long enough time, you kind of get a little bit of the sense of what it would actually be like to be in prison. Okay, so hang on, let me just get straight. So, living with me is like, <laughs> like prison life. Is that what you're trying to say? Fine, that's fine. It's okay. It's okay. I'm sorry. Are you not, you know, a tattooed? It's one tattoo. A dog for. Yeah, well, I cannot get the best gangster. But you don't. I mean, prisoners don't always have aggressive tattoos. Sometimes it's just as money. Yeah, exactly. They have money issues. That's why they have. It is still so bad. I don't know why they go prisoners (laughs) involved. Well, anyway, uh, well. What's the point of this? Legends. Yeah, we yeah. do. Legends, that's right. That's what we're talking about today. So, you are actually qualified to talk about things ancient. Kind of. I mean, I'm obtaining them. What the fuck? Up? Sorry. What is that? Oh, wait, I think it's essential services. Thank you for your service. I'm so sorry. I think they're taking your brains or something. Oh. I got scared. I literally thought it was something rattling on the window. And I'm like, we're on the second floor. This is a perfect time to begin my topic. (laughs) 
around the second floor. Yeah, I'm like, how could something possibly be running the window? And I was like, maybe it's our cat Peaches, but she's right next to me. So. Is she Bridget? Yeah, she's, she's right there. Yeah. Okay, focus. Oh, oh yes, you. I'm obtaining a master's degree in classics, yeah. ancient cultures, and shit. Yeah, so ancient shit culture. <laughs> That's fine, you know. Just insult all of Europe, most of Asia. Yeah. <laughs> I um have absolutely no qualifications. I'm I'm just good at googling and reading. I mean, you do have qualifications. You should have qualifications in this specific thing. Oh, <laughs> no, actually, I'm back to the therapy session. <laughs> Is it just me or everything is quiet? Then we start recording and suddenly there's like someone filming an action movie. Am I whispering? Am I using like a sotto voce right now? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I am because some part of me doesn't want to hear myself. <laughs> so I'm like, maybe if I whisper, I won't have to hear my inner voice as well. Yeah, we're going to make this whole thing whisper chat. Okay, let's just get back okay. to it. Otherwise, this podcast is going to be... Uh, it's going to be two hours long, and it's literally just us rambling and feeding, like, audio diarrhea into your ears. You should be grateful. <laughs> okay, so who's going to go first? Then I'm going to have a computer inside the first joint. Okay, I'm excited. Okay, so having studied ancient Greece and Rome, and Egypt. I am starting off with Mesopotamia. Okay, um, I don't really know what Mesopotamia is, to be perfectly honest. Um, it's, is it, you know, Babylon? Kind of. <laughs> okay, hang on. I'll bring up a map. <laughs> One second. Wow, not quite two well. seconds into your story, and I already feel grossly uneducated. No, no. That's no, just, it's, yeah. It's, this is this is great. Western Asia. Okay. And it's currently like it's modern Turkey, Syria, Iran, and Iraq. So it's like the Middle East. Yeah. So um, I'm talking about the ghosts of ancient Mesopotamia. What? Wait, there were records of ghosts like from way way back. I didn't know that. I always kind of assumed ghosts. And hauntings and things was a like eighteenth century gothic type thing. Well, so these aren't. Well, I mean, there's a lot of similarities, but so you you can't think of these ghosts in the Christian manner. So these uh, in ancient Mesopotamia, like the ancient Greeks, the Romans, the Egyptians, there was an underworld. Okay. Um, and when someone died, their ghost, which was called a gidim, it's Marian for dead spirit. And they exist in like a kind of shadowy form, but if they are uh, summoned to the living, they are generally recognizable to their loved ones. And the, so they dwell, dwell in the underworld, and they're ruled over by the goddess of death, Queen Erish Kigal. I'm really not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Erish Kigal. Erish Kigal. I like that. I'm liking goddess of death. Yeah. You know, actually, when I wrote this, I know, so I am. Queen Ishkigal and her consort, Nergal. So, like, it's very much of a uh, matriarchy, kind of, which is by contrast to Greek and the world, where it's King Aaron, God Hades, and his wife. Yeah, yeah. Um, were Mesopotamians matriarchal? Uh, Do we know? So, that's actually a really 
highly debated thing among scholars where there is a lot of evidence of matriarchal cultures that were then slowly replaced by patriarchal cultures. But I think what we've basically answered is that there never there never true completely matriarchal culture, it's just that women had greater power or certain liberties and then those were slowly reduced like reduced as time went on. Um, okay, so I don't think it was ever where women were always in constant <clears throat> anyway, so the underworld was ruled by uh, Queen Ereshkigal and a concept Nergal. And the the dead would only be able to eat and drink if their loved ones provided them with gifts of food and drink. Um, and even so, these gifts would come into the underworld and become muddy food and muddy water. What? Which they needed. So for some reason, so yeah, what's interesting is that the dead needs uh, need sustenance. They need food. What the what? what is the point of being dead? Okay. <laughs> right? So then if they didn't receive this food, if they didn't have loved ones or their loved ones neglected to give them something, they would be condemned to a dumb thirst and starvation. And they would just linger. Oh, that's so sad. Right? <laughs> oh, that depresses me. Oh, sorry. Do you need to put chocolate? Wait, so the, if they do have loved ones, they still have to eat mud food. Yeah, so, so your choices are eternal hunger and thirst, or eternal mud entrees. <laughs> so I think I like I'm kind of imagining it where people put out fresh food and stuff, and then <laughs> it gets transported to the underworld. And by the time it gets there, it's died. Like it's become and start to rot and start to get all dirty. That's and disgusting. Stuff. Yeah, but you know I think they prefer that to eternal thirst and salvation. Anyway, so. Uh, the dead could be summoned by loved ones as long as their tomb was maintained. So that's why they were able to still recognize the, the dead. But um, what I want to focus on is more when they're not summoned and they just pitch up. So hauntings. So if the deceased was not buried properly or died, Wait, 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 sorry, sorry. Before you start with the hauntings, yeah. do we have any info on how to summon your ancestors? Your dead ancestors? Um, I honestly don't know if we have. Exact rituals for some things. Probably parts of rituals, to be honest, I don't really look at that. I didn't find out. But um, I think we do have parts of rituals for some rituals. Okay, because you know I'm gonna get into that shit. I no, mean, no, no. We have three weeks in lockdown. Okay. I could think of less fun things to do than summoning our ancient Sumerian ancestors. Why do we have Sumerian ancestors? We probably do. I mean, we're not from Indonesia. <laughs> Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. I think we should probably look at the ancient underworld. Okay, that's that's going to be the next thing. Okay. How to summon our Indian <laughs> ancestors. ancestors. Okay, okay. Try on with hauntings. Okay. Sorry. No problem. <laughs> okay, so if the deceased is not buried properly or denied a burial or died in some unnatural or unjust manner, then they would often return to the living to find resolution before returning back to the Underworld. But these ghosts were often ventral and haunted loved ones and enemies, either as apparitions, often in the form of animals, or by possession. So they think that apparently looking at the unburied or unprepared body of a recently deceased person could allow the spirit to enter the living person, where it would slowly drain that person of their oh. life force. Oh no! Oh, so, okay. You know, it's dead guys here and you're sad and stuff, but they could stare too long. What? In your head. Oh my god. <laughs> that, that's so creepy. You look like you're here. Looking at, you know, your dead grandma and 
And yes. you just want to like fix her image in your mind, and then all of a sudden, her spirit goes into you, like possesses on you. Get the urge to make tea. Ew! ew. <laughs> Yeah, no, you need to cover that with a sheet immediately. Oh, that's so gross. Okay. Um, so the way they enter is usually through your ears and uh-huh. into your brain. Mm-hmm. And this would either cause pain or ringing in your ears. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's the least of your problems. <laughs> um, the data don't, don't go straight into possession. They roam freely throughout the night. And apparently one of the most terrifying spirits in Mesopotamia was a, a woman who died during childbirth. Um, she used to wander during the night and grieve loudly, mm. so like her wailing shrieks were heard throughout the night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, so methods, uh, some methods of warding off spirits and performing exorcisms were actually quite well recorded. Um, the chief, chief scholar to this Babylonian king, which honestly I didn't bother writing down your name. You know <laughs> but um, do, do you want do you want a time period? Can I give you a time period? Yeah, or? yeah, like a little bit. So um, this okay. was like during um, 1067 to 1046 BC. One thousand. Wait. <laughs> so 1067 to 1046 BC, Babylonia. I mean Babylonia. Oh, Babylon. <laughs> um, so. Uh, so Context-wise, it was like three thousand, some three thousand and something years ago. Yeah, it's early. It's early. Let's just say it's early. Okay. It's early. <laughs> so he's chief scholar of Umanu, which was, uh, I think, Sumerian for chief scholar. Um, his name was Asagil Kinapi. Ooh. Um, say it again, but slowly. Asagil Kinapi. Okay, so <laughs> Okay, so he wrote um for the uh, Greeks and Romans called the Vardenikum, which is just a manual kind of and a detailed the art of exorcisms and we now call the Exorcist's Manual. Oh, it was great and I want that. Oh my god. So this is the original source material on exorcism. It is basically because you have to remember that the Mesopotamian's writing was is the first discovered writing, so like that's the first things that have ever been written down. Um, yeah, so this uh, manual speaks about a ritual warding of spirits, and um, it's called the Zisuru, which involves pouring a circle of flour <laughs> around the person who's at risk of possession. Okay. So it's kind of like pouring a circle of salt on the person. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, now, by similar, a tablet also uh, talked about this, it's called the Maklu, that's uh, Akkadian. Um, Akkadians learn their different dialects. Um, but they're both from Mesopotamia. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think Akkadians might be later than Sumerian. So the Maklu is a tablet which focuses primarily on witchcraft, actually. Um, what we call witchcraft. <laughs> okay. But it describes this particular ritual, and I actually have a quote here from it. And it says, thereafter, you encircle the bed with flower paste and recite the incantation Sagba Sagba and the incantation Tumu Bitu, which means the jurid in the, uh, this house. Wait, which means what? A jurid is the house. Oh, okay. So I think that the jurid is like an oak bed. Right. So, like. I'm just saying, right, I don't know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but you're like, you're, but you're the smarter one, so I'm just agreeing. So basically, I think. 
saving you know, the protection around this person. Okay. So you're in the bed. You sprinkle the flower. Flower paste. Okay, so you sprinkle the flower and add water. So you're making a cake of yourself to ward off. Okay, I got it. I'm with you. Subba to Nibutu. Right. However, that's actually who's chanting this. Can it be like, you know, a guy who is subleasing your apartment? You know, some random, or or can it be, you know, does it have to be like a priest or something? I think it's usually a religious person. Okay. Um, how they designate religious people, I actually don't know. Wait, I have a master's degree. <laughs> I'm going to have a master's degree. Roman culture. Right. Um, no, Greek culture. Fact, sorry. Greek culture. <laughs> um, anybody who knows the rituals, can they be designated as a religious person and can perform the rituals? So you don't have to like go through studies and then to become a priest and then you can do the rituals. So I don't know if that's how it works yet. Hmm. Okay, so the actual possession. <laughs> the good stuff. So, as I said, it begins with either ringing or pain in the ears. Then you can get a stiff neck or a headache. So, you know, you've probably been possessed multiple times. Yeah, I was just about to say like, that. That's basically, yeah, it's, You're it's me every time I have like allergies or <laughs> flu or anything. I'm like, okay, well, that's it. I stared too long at that random person at a funeral recently. Open caskets, eh? But actually they'll be fine because the body's already been prepared for burial or Oh, so it's only if you're looking at like, a troll, like raw, untouched corpse. Yeah. So like if someone's trapped and then you stare at the trap person for the police. Then. I mean, <laughs> that's what, I mean, no, that's not why they cover the person in sheet. But I mean, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Uh, right, so um, what was interesting is that if the person died in a certain way, the way that they died would be able to, wait, this is amazing, but my English, it would connect in some way to the possessed person, so like if the living person suddenly developed breathing problems, asthma, or respiratory distress, it actually indicates that the person who's possessing them could have died from drowning or suffocation, something like that, so you get the symptoms that the person would experience before they died. What the hell? Right. <laughs> That I mean, sucks. I suppose if a person who like, died in a burning building, you suddenly feel like heat patches or anything like that. Holy shit. Right? Everyone's like, oh, it's blood pressure. It's obsession. <laughs> <laughs> you, heard, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, though, because you adopted. Okay. Um, so, exorcisms involve rituals, incantations, and invocations to deities, and this is usually an invocation to the sun god Shamash. Um, he was the most important. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but all I could think of is, I don't know, do you follow um, Sophia Nagad on YouTube? No. She used to work for BuzzFeed, and now she's like this, like, she's not really DIY, but she's sort of fashion and lifestyle. Anyway, <laughs> like her tag at the end of all her YouTube videos are like, if you would like to shmash that like shmash, <laughs> all I could think of was shmash, shmash, smash God, shmash. Oh no! <laughs> would you like to shmash the prince, king, whatever? God, God. Would <laughs> you like to smash, smash? <laughs> He's on Tinder. That's his. That's his name. This <laughs> is like down to shmash. <laughs> <laughs> it's just him and he's like sun sunny what's the word out of this yeah so Shumash is a sun god so I also find that it's an interesting link between Egyptian culture 
and uh, Mesopotamian culture, where there was more of a garden. Egyptian culture is actually also the sun god. Okay, I mean that makes sense because I think they must have figured out even at that stage already that sun was kind of fueling everything. Like plants would only grow mm. if it got enough sunlight, and it makes sense to then invoke the sun god when you're trying to repel the dead. Right, so it's the whole thing of like light driving out dark. Yeah, yeah stuff like that. Okay. Okay, so um, an exorcism, depending on how severe the possession is, could last up to six days. What? Um, yeah, so it's not like a two hour thing. Wait, continuously? Continuously. Jeez. Can you imagine how exhausted the person doing the exorcism is? Why do they look in shit? Yeah, maybe they could like tag team it. Like, you just get a few priests. And they just like they start the ritual, and then <laughs> when it's getting to like the end of the first day, the other person just runs in and continues. Yeah, and they're like, "I need to go get my pranitra energy bar. <laughs> Keep going." <laughs> um, so exorcism could exorcism could involve several different things. So special oils could be poured over the person's body as well as their whole house. That uh, depends. And on then set it on fire. Actually, okay, we'll come to that. So, uh, to cleanse and purify them. And they could also be bathed to cleanse, like, dirty spirits? Dirty spirits? I don't know. Okay. Just cleanse. And incantation and invocations were repeated constantly to keep the ghostly presence from um, exerting any influence over the mind of the possessed. So, yeah, literally, there's this guy just going, uh, so cool, so cool, so cool, so cool. So, and then, the ritual to Shamash, which is also in the exorcism, um, usually first involves asking the ghost why they have returned and why they're wanting this particular person. Then they'd make a mixture of flour and leaven in an ox form, make a, a libation to Shamash. Death. Do you know what a libation is? Kind of. It's like any sort of liquid that they pour on the ground and offer to the god. Okay, okay. okay. So it could be wine, water, whatever. They made a libation to Shamash, and then they placed this mixture of flour and leaven in the hoof of a dark-coloured ox. Obviously, it's not attached to the ox anymore, which then allows the ghost to finally rest. Now, so they have to make the cupcake in. It's the cupcake. <laughs> I, I just keep hearing flour <laughs> and and water and whatever, and I'm like, so you're making a cake, okay? So put the flour in, and then you ice it. <laughs> And you're like, happy birthday, Shamash. <laughs> okay, so yeah. So just to recap, you put the flour and the water in the dark ox hoof. No, so. Sorry. But, but oh, sorry. somebody told me. Okay. Gotta put your phone on silent. Yeah, and then yeah, ring, ring. yeah, okay. Mia culpa, as they say in ancient Rome. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. <laughs> Okay, okay, so they make the mixture and they put it in initially. So they make the mixture in the ox form first. In the horn. In the horn of the ox, yeah. Oh. I don't know whether it's the same ox or a different ox. It's just an ox. And then they place that mixture in the hoof of a dark colored ox. Oh. Do you know why it's dark colored? Um, is it supposed to symbolize the, the underworld goddess? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, in most ancient cultures, when you make sacrifices to the gods, it's the underworld gods, and it's dark-colored animals, whether it's ox, goat, cow, pig, whatever. And then, 
left all the uh, upper world gods, it's Ishii Covered. Okay. And I think the Greeks and the Romans also delineated gender so that could be female animals to female goddesses, male animals to male goddesses. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Right, then what did you do? Okay. Um, yeah, so then that usually allows the ghost to rest, but if the ghost uh, is aggressive, you know, aggressively wanting the victim or it's a particularly violent possession, then they would slice open the victim's temple oh, okay. and leave it to bleed for a certain amount of time yeah, while they are letting lying protected in temple. So they just like, it wouldn't be like, you know, I don't imagine like they're cleaning it open, but they just slice it open and let it bleed. So I guess it's like, what is that supposed to do? I think it's kind of like the spirit will be leached out through the blood. Kind of yeah, along thinking. with the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's the same idea through like bleaching and stuff like that. I think that that's, you know, would draw out the bad stuff. Yeah, okay, I get that. I actually saw that in that movie, The Witch. Yeah. Yeah, The Witch. You need to watch that movie. Um, they did that to the boy who was possessed. Oh my god, maybe that's a little good. <laughs> I need to go investigate that. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um... Okay, so ghosts could also appear in someone's dreams and attempt to reach them. Very nightmare on Elm Street. Right? And this could result in extremely lucid dreaming. So those lucid dreams will happen. Okay, why do I get this feeling like you're constantly trying to diagnose me with spirit possession? I mean, it all points. <laughs> it all points to Mesopotamian spirit right? possession. I mean, it seems that we need to, apparently we need to give you an elixir and cast some charms. Okay, I mean, I like charms. Yeah, okay, so they can reach you through dreams. Uh, right, but sometimes those who are visited by ghosts would actually burn the houses in which the ghosts would appear. So they just like, burn out the house. With the person in it? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> just kill everybody. <laughs> I mean, that would be my instinct. I'd be like, this bitch is possessed, and we need to just trash the whole thing and start from the beginning. <laughs> No, <laughs> they just burn the house or the place where the ghosts appear. So these aren't necessarily ghosts that are wanting somebody, but they might just like randomly appear in someone else. Oh, like, burn it. okay, I got it, I got it. Yeah. Haunting, not yeah. possession. Yeah. Right. Um, and then people who have heard ghosts speak to them apparently often die shortly afterwards. I mean, that makes sense. It does? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just like have a heart attack or something. I mean, what if the ghosts are just like, oh, how are you doing? You know? Like yeah, but if someone did that to me and I had yeah, an, know, like an underlying heart condition, or maybe, you know, I'd recently been bled from the temple, <laughs> I'm in a weak state, I might just spontaneously die. That's fair. Just saying. Um, so the ghosts who don't possess people uh, would often just wander around empty buildings, but um, the ventral ghosts... The ventral ghosts. The ventral ghosts. The ventral ghosts who ever don't possess people um, they take the form of animals, uh, usually dogs, especially birds. And these guys can actually actively hunt the living during the night because they're so angry and they just want to, you know. So, like, the dogs will try to hunt and eat like, people. It's disgusting. Um, uh-huh. I guess the birds pick up people's eyes and stuff. Oh, dogs. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, wild dogs, it was less potential. So, like, oh, they didn't have to visit dogs. I don't know. Interesting. Um, just because they were so angry to about whatever happened to them while they were alive. And these birds are usually, uh, these ventral birds are usually people who died violently, uh, or lived in various like during the war, 
were just left on the battlefield or prisoners were executed. People who were drowned or just people who were normally murdered, I guess. Okay, well, that makes sense why they're vengeful. Yeah. Um, so then, just a side note, um, so you know that the Gopogamesh are main source for Mesopotamian culture. Okay, just FYI, every time you're like, so you know, <laughs> the chances are I don't know or I don't know. I mean, really you know, know the epic of Gilgamesh. And then it just the makes me feel uneducated. Look, this is just, it's part of I my therapy, sorry. okay? They say in, in therapy, in the group sessions that I recently did at the mental health facility that I was at, that whenever someone does something, instead of saying, you do this, you say, when you do this, I feel, and that's like the conflict management of okay. So I'm just saying, assume I don't know. Okay, gotcha. So the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is a main source of Mesopotamian culture. Right. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, involves a man called Enkidu, uh, who died and who had offended the dead to such an extent that he was not allowed to see the living at all, so he couldn't summon him. Oh shit. But, uh, an alternate version popped up 800 years after the Epic of Gilgamesh was written. Mm-hmm. Um, and this myth describes him actually returning to the living world and speaking with Gilgamesh about the underworld. So I thought I'd just like, talk about how he described it. Um, apparently the dead live in permanently dark houses, eating dusty food and drink, and what Gilgamesh was super, super sad about and really horrified was that the dead were forbidden from sex. <laughs> this is this was what Gilgamesh was like, no, I'm not dying. Wait, so you have to eat to stay... Or, or rather, you feel like you need to eat and drink, but no sex. It, wait, do you want to have sex, but you can't? Or I don't, it's no. just not possible? It's not clear. I mean, okay. if they still feel the urge to eat and drink, then maybe they still feel the urge to, you know. Bonk. Yeah, <laughs> smash. 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 <laughs> still feel the urge to smash. Oh, now I know why they can't have sex. <laughs> it's because of. Shmash God. Shmash God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and then what's so horrible is that the ghosts, I mean, the people who didn't have children before they died, they have to starve because they don't have anyone to give them food to offer to give gifts. Because it's the children's responsibility to provide their dead relatives with food. That is <laughs> That right. is completely horrific. So they're just starved. Um, and then Oh yeah, that is really cool. I mean, terrible. Is if the person died of a particular injury or condition, their ghostly self would continue to exist with that injury or condition. So, uh, a leaper would continue. To a leaper. S- a leaper. A leaper. A leaper. A leaper. A leper. <laughs> a leopard. A leopard. Okay. Um, a leper would continue to spell and rot. Um, the ghost of man who died by being torn apart by animals would be lying in pieces. Um, the man who dies in the fire continues to burn in the underworld. So what? he could use him as torch. What? <laughs> like, I can't say anything. You over there. I mean, at least his house wouldn't be dark, I guess. <laughs> I guess it wouldn't be there because it'd be on fire. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. I guess if you drown, do you just continue to drown? That's. <laughs> that's so terrifying. I mean. <laughs> I would be so scared. I mean, okay, everyone is scared of dying on some level, I think. But, I mean, I would be living in constant terror. <laughs> I wouldn't leave my house. Okay, I never leave my house. But, I mean, I wouldn't leave my house. Actually, I would not die. 
Right. <laughs> but I'd just be scared. Like every single time I cough to something, I'm like, oh no, this is it. I'm but I mean, going to if be you, in eternal torture. No, but I mean, if you died like with a heart attack, you'd be okay because it's not like you'd continue. Oh, I mean, you don't know you're having happen. a heart attack. Maybe <laughs> just before you have a heart attack, you stub your toe and then all you feel <laughs> is the pain of that stubbed toe for eternity and you can't have sex. I think the guy who is constantly burning isn't going to be like, you think you would be bad? Although I kind of understand that if you were experiencing like constant burning or constant drowning or whatever, it's not like you'd want to have sex. I guess it really turns people around. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so those who committed crimes while alive uh, were actually condemned to eternal torment. So, what them rapists and stuff. And then those who performed good deeds were kind of rewarded, but I honestly don't know how they were rewarded. Like, oh, you don't get to burn for eternity? Yeah, I don't really see the <laughs> difference, because if it, if it just depends on the manner of death, really, like, between being punished and just, you know, Not suffering yet. normally in the underworld. It doesn't seem to be much of a difference. Maybe you can somewhat taste food. It's just like, now with 50% less mud. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to end on a nice note, kind of, so still going trolling, the ghosts are still going uh, Oh, okay, wait, to end on a no, nice... No, no, it's nice. It's to end on a nice sorry. note... Still born children. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, but there's like many nice things when I'm talking about the underworld and ghosts. <laughs> your, your definition of nice is questionable. Yeah, but it's okay. still recording. Yeah, it's still okay. recording. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, the ghosts are still born children who are obviously deemed innocent and they were allowed to, and this is actually a quote from um, the alternate version of Epic of Gilgamesh, enjoy syrup and ghee at Goldman's soap tables. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they got to like feast on dessert the entire time. Although I don't know how they would eat, considering they were still warm. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, maybe. Maybe they grow. But if you <laughs> if you're still born, it means that everything has formed. Yeah, so you were ready to eat. <laughs> yeah, and then maybe they have like underworld people feeding the babies. <laughs> Those really pregnant women. That's just mean. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, they're wailing because they don't have a baby. You know, they've got these stillborn babies to be. That would be sweet, but no, they're still in the cow industry. <sighs> wow. But babies get to eat syrup and ghee. Silver lining. Yeah. That golden and silver tables. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Okay, so that's, I mean, basically what I had here. And then I have some pictures. Dude, that's messed up. <laughs> that is messed up on levels. I never, I mean, that was great. I did not know all of that, any of that. I give it the, the main thing I remember is smash. Smash. <laughs> smash. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm just making my libation to smash. Libation, that sounds weird. Okay, yes, I did some pictures. Pictures. So this is the uh, goddess of the underworld. Okay, haha, <laughs> look at her toes though. Yeah, she so she's part, like, okay, so third. I'm looking at this, like, stone tablet. Yeah. Okay, it's a sculpture of a naked woman. She's got rings that she's holding, like, little hoops, and, um, oh, rings. And then 
you look like everything seems kind of fine. She seems normal until you get to the bottom, and then all of a sudden, chicken feet, <laughs> like literal, you know, wrinkled, clawed chicken feet. Yeah. Okay, so this is this is wait, This is Ereshkigal, so Queen Ereshkigal. Okay. Uh, she does. She appears to have owl and what are those? Lions. Lions. I'm gonna say lions. I think that's me. Yeah, they look like. But look at their fingers. They look like they might be juvenile. Oh, oh. They're like human fingers. Human oh, fingers. oh, I didn't see the fingers. It's five fingers. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's let's move on. <laughs> Thank you. That was lovely. Um, this is the clue. Queen Ereshkigal. Check out her Tinder profile. <laughs> Um, this is the Makuru, the uh, type that I was talking about, the okay. um, flower ritual. As you can see, it's... What do all the holes signify? Um, I suspect there are spaces in the... Okay, so I don't honestly know, but I would assume they might determine some sort of space in the breaks, maybe. Maybe like paragraph breaks? Or, I don't know, they're in a particular like shape as well, so... Um, and then this is like the startup. They're going to start the exorcism. So this is the king, and they're bringing on the sacrifice to this is Shamash. So this is look at that bod. This is like smash dead. So this is like a what um, hammered silver. Um, I know. I don't think this is actually. I don't think it's actually. Silver. I don't know if it's actually silver or thing of hands to be honest. I would say this is stone. Stone. Oh, oh, damn. So yeah. this is like mm, really shiny, soft stone that they've that they've chiseled these mm. images into. I don't think they have silver. Yeah, so he's holding a sacrificial knife. Apparently, he's standing on a half human, half bull But to be honest, it's a bit unclear. Oh wait, yes, the yeah. So this is the human head, the bull. You see that? Oh, that's a head wearing like a wizard's hat. <laughs> <laughs> it literally looks like um, the straw man from um, Wizard of Oz, like the head. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's apparently a half man, half woman. Um, and then this is actually the exorcism tablet, which I honestly spent a while just staring at and trying to figure out where it stops and what it's saying. Oh, I realize that you guys can't see any of this, but. Um, I don't feel like describing it, so I'm just going to say, it's red. <laughs> and, you know, if we ever get a listenership for this, which we probably won't, yeah. I might even put it online. But, you yeah, know, just for now, just know, it's crazy. There's lots of people, figures. This guy looks just, this looks like an alien. There's the alien head. It looks like a bird skeleton wearing a dress. Yeah, that's accurate. And I think this is supposed to be the patient that they're exercising. He's dead already. No, he's raising his arms. And then, I don't know why there's a boat. Maybe that's Smash. And crabs. And did I not? I mean, I think I'm reading this wrong. I don't, I don't know what's going on here. I think that's exactly what I'm about. Yeah, that's a, a apparently depicting an exorcism. Google Queen. And yeah. Google. That's all I have. Well, thank you for that. That was. I mean, that's a great first topic. Like, try topping that. Oh, I have to. Damn. Oh, I thought you meant I have to. Also. No, I feel like, I feel really insecure about my topic now. I feel like I definitely did not do enough. No, no. <laughs> it's going to be great. Don't worry. 
Okay, well, uh, we're gonna take a short break and then I'm gonna tell you about a modern version. I'm okay. gonna try to guess what that is. Alright, so are you ready? I'm ready. Hit me with the devil. <laughs> Smash it. Smash it. <laughs> so, do you have any idea about it? I feel like I think we might have discussed it. Can you tell me? Let me be good. Find out. Okay. Can you at least pretend like you didn't know? I mean, you told me that. <laughs> but I don't know anything about this story. Not really. Okay, so, so it's fresh to you. Yeah. I don't but really know that much about it either. Um, and then when I started reading about it, I was like, whoa, I really didn't know this much about it. Yes, I'm excited. Okay, so the Flying Dutchman, or in Dutch, the Fliegende Hollander. Nice. Which I, I just said the way I would say it in Afrikaans, so I have no idea <laughs> how you're supposed to say it. Okay, so it's a legend of um, the late 1700s. That's when the first accounts of the Flying Dutchman um, uh, started appearing. Um, so basically, it centers around um, this sea captain, Captain Hendrik van der Decken. <coughs> Sorry. What? <laughs> I know, it's kind of ironic for a sea captain as like <laughs> Hendrik of the Deck. I mean, I'm sure that's not what it means. Like, apologies Scrum to Dutch Deckens. people. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. But <laughs> yeah. Van der Decken told us to scrub the Decken. Very. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he was the captain of the ship, and the Flying Dutchman, the title actually refers to him, the captain, not the ship itself. Oh. Because, um, as we'll see later in the um, accounts of the ghost ship, like six different vessels have been seen, like people have seen ships that look a bit different, but the thing they have in common is the captain, the, the ghost of the captain, the flying Dutchman. Oh, so he flies. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think, well, okay, I think we're going to see why he's called fly, the flying okay. Dutchman <laughs> a bit later. I hope he flies. But anyway, so there's not that much detail that I could find on him, um, other that he, than he was um, an explorer working for the Dutch East India Company. Um, so basically, um, what the Dutch East India Company did was they embarked on these voyages between the East Indies, typically, and um, the, the Netherlands uh, for trade in things like spices, um, silks, dyes, like all kinds of things that you could find in those areas and that obviously weren't being produced locally. Um, so that, you know that that was his job to basically ferry these um, these goods like halfway across the planet. Okay. So the story starts um, in 1641. So uh, Van and his crew depart Amsterdam for the Far East Indies. They make it there. They load up the cargo. Like the hull is completely locked and. Locked? Locked and loaded. <laughs> locked and loaded. The hull is locked and loaded. Like those cans are ready for this merchant ship. <laughs> and 
they um, start, well, before they make their way back, they have to um, make some repairs to the ship, um, and then they set a return course. Now, in order to return to Amsterdam, they needed to round um, the coast of Africa at the bottom. So, oh, okay. So you know the the Cape of Good Hope, right? Okay. It's the southernmost tip of Africa. It's also like, the southernmost tip of South Africa. Mm-hmm. Fun fact: I think a lot of people, and even I, thought this that that the Cape of Good Hope is the point at which um, the Atlantic Ocean meets the Indian Ocean, but it's actually not true. They actually meet a little bit further up the coast. I think oh. it just would have like been poetic. Oh. That's where <laughs> they met. But anyway, either way, it's the southernmost, southernmost tip. Mm. Um, right, so the thing about the Cape of Good Hope is that it was known for being an extremely treacherous stretch of coast. Yeah. Like there were um, lots of rocky um, patches, uh, the area was known for uh, like terrible storms, frequent and terrible storms, and quite a few ships had already sunk in this area. That sort of sounds like a great route to take. Right, so... <laughs> it's cruise. So, I mean, it was already, like, not the so, best way. Sorry, so was this the only route, or just, like, why, why did you choose this route when knowing that it was treacherous? Um... I think that this was probably like the shortest viable route to get from Amsterdam to the East Indies and back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do remember, it's not in my notes, but I remember reading somewhere else that there was a sense of like hubris also involved, which the captain was kind of determined to conquer this particularly treacherous part of the journey like it was a bit of dick measuring it's like okay well (laughs) you know it's like if i can do it while all these other idiots sunk then i'm a better captain wow are you trying to do that with a full crew on board why are you just taking self in his dick yeah i think it was a bit of an ego trip for him to see like you know can i do this how big is my dual lunch so (laughs) dual lunch are you gonna have to explain lunch? um yeah, I don't actually remember what language it was. It's a dialect in uh, China. I don't remember what dialect it was. Dilan Chao is big, big dick energy, roughly. I don't think it actually is a one-by-one accurate translation. from Crazy Rich Asians. Crazy Rich Asians, yeah. <laughs> nice. It's my source material. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of Bible. Yeah, like, yeah, all things Asian. <laughs> But the thing is, as dangerous as this was, um, Van was by no means the only person to have attempted this. And also, it wasn't that, it wasn't like the Bermuda Triangle where everyone who ventures in there disappears. Like, people mm-hmm. had um, successfully navigated this coast. Okay. Um, some examples, um, the first people to journey around the southern coast were um, Portuguese explorer Bartolomeu Diaz, and then think more famously Vasco da Gama. Vasco da Gama de Filament. That's copyrighted. Sorry. <laughs> it was one line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was actually the first person to sail directly from Europe to India. And um, according to uh, this website, 
the first person to uh, name the Cape of Good Hope, the Cape of Storms. So it's kind of interesting because it's, it's these two names with very different sentiments. Like, on the one hand, it's hopeful because um, it was like when these Portuguese sailors landed there, they had they, they discovered this new culture and a new trading opportunity, and it also meant that they were halfway on the dangerous trip to India. But at the same time, it was also the Cape of Storms because so many ships had sunk there and it was so perilous. Mm. All right, anyway, back to Thunderdecken. Okay, so I need you to picture this. I'm going to paint the picture for you. Yes, Okay, I'm just waiting. Okay, so it's night. I don't know that it's night, but I'm going to say that it was night. What? <laughs> okay. okay, there's a crazy storm brewing. Like, the wind is gale force. It's whipping at the sails. The sea is choppy. It's dark. It's broiling. You can see the reflection of lightning in the in the waters as it flashes. And it's just like foam spraying everywhere. Um, sailors are being knocked from rail to rail across the deck. And then at the helm is Bundedecken. This like maniacal looking man um, they say that apparently he was somehow smoking a cigar um, <laughs> that seems like oh, a cigar sorry he was smoking a pipe even like in the midst of the storm <laughs> like completely um, cool determined just set on making this voyage even as his crew are like completely freaking out nice so the story goes that the crew begged their captain not to sail into the storm because, I mean, they could see this thing going south in the most literal way. <laughs> yeah, immediately. Um, but he was determined um, that he was definitely he was going to face it. He was kind of defying God. I mean, and a lot of the um, stories that we have of the legend itself, uh, there's references to uh, Vanderdecken directly challenging um God. like there's one story where um he's where it says the captain held his course challenging the wrath of God Almighty by swearing a blasphemous oath. What so, is wrong with this guy? Does he want to die? So it's like <laughs> yeah, I mean it's almost as though he's on a suicide mission and he doesn't care because he takes his hold with it. Yeah. It's just like he feels the need to defy God in this way. Moses to leadership like with his father. <laughs> <laughs> he needed therapy. I mean, yeah. you know, this is what happens he when you don't seek help. <laughs> you know, before it's too late. Yeah, he needs to meditate more. His <laughs> nail goes. Yeah. Like, chill out. Anyway, inhale to me, spicy. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so the crew is begging him, please, we're going to die. Don't take us past this. Um, the captain is completely steadfast in his decision. Some stories even say that he tied himself to the um what's it? No. The stern Yeah. The, the bow. I d I, I don't know. Oh wait, you mean like no, not the rudder. <laughs> you can tell that we're mariners. Alright. I mean do we even know what type of ship is uh, um no I I have no idea. Okay. It's the one with sails. Do you know? 
<laughs> I mean, I'm assuming it was like one of the Dutch merchant ships they had. Right. <laughs> okay, well, he got strapped. Yeah, like he strapped himself to it or whatever. I mean, I, obviously, this is a legend. You can't really say, you know, this is true or that's not true. Mm-hmm. And we have stories. Yeah. Okay, so, unsurprisingly, the crew went mutinied. They were like, this right. guy is batshit crazy. We gotta save ourselves and take control of this ship. Unfortunately, um, as soon as the captain caught on to the fact that they were about to mutiny, he promptly killed the rebel leader and tossed him overboard. I mean, efficient. So, that's yeah. how you. That's how you nip it in the bud. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> leadership one hundred and one. Right. <laughs> Just cut the problem off at its source. Yeah. I think. Yeah. At this point. I, he had like a complete psychotic break. Like he really didn't. He didn't give a shit. Like, no, yeah, something's obviously wrong with this guy. Yeah, I don't know whether he also intentionally wanted to take the rest of them with him. It's unclear. Yeah. Or that maybe just because he needed the crew to carry on sailing around the coast. I mean, yeah, maybe he really, really thought he was actually gonna be fine. But maybe it was like kind of an actor. Yeah. You know, I'm definitely gonna be fine. So he didn't understand why they were so curious. Yeah, I think he just was completely out of touch with reality yeah. at this point. Okay, so that's like the most well-known origin story and kind of what you would call the traditional um, legend of what happened. But I did find um, a sort of alternate story, and um, in this story, uh, it's kind of it's it's very similar. The only difference really is that um, instead of uh, Hendrik van der Decken. We have this um, Dutch sailorman, Captain Bernard Fokker, or Falkenberg. Sorry? Look. <laughs> He's Dutch. Just be mature about it. Sorry. What's the meaning? Bernard Fokker. Say it again, Steve. I'm moving on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, Bernard. He... <laughs> sorry. You're being rude. Sorry. To people I'm so sorry. Sorry, Bernard. Yeah, just sorry to anyone who has that name. We did not mean to offend you. Me, the fuckers. Or rather, I did not spend me to offend you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, so uh, Captain Bernard, he was able to sail um, from Amsterdam to Indonesia in just three months. And uh, because this was like an insanely short time to make this voyage, apparently, at the time, although honestly, if it took me three months to get from Amsterdam to Indonesia, I think it actually strangle someone. But anyway, <laughs> this was considered like express travel. I mean, at the like, time. it's not like they had engines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, sailors speculated that he sold his soul to the devil in order to Cuckoo. make the journey at that time. Um, and apparently, he'd somehow done this um, during a game of dice with, with the devil. Yeah. <gasps> That's so cool. It's so, like a game of chess with God on yeah, so I don't know whether he sold his soul so much as he actually kind of Bonkers lost it in a, in a dice game. Which, I mean, so it's kind of selling. He lost it only one. I mean, he, he won speed, but he lost his soul. It was a trade So, like, he bargained, yeah. Kind yeah. of. Basically. So this um, origin story specifically um, comes up in um, Coleridge's poem in 1798 called Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, which is, like, Oh. Okay, so that's the legend. Now we get on to the sightings of the ghost ship. 
So there is a ghostly element in here as well. Okay, so first sighting. Sky decks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, so. I'm I, I like, you just skip my like, yeah. <laughs> I felt like I didn't need to add, but yeah, everyone died on the ship. The captain, the crew, everything. The ship sank. Okay, the first ship. So, the first and probably most famous sighting was made on July 11, 1881. The report was made by the midshipman of the HMS. I'm gonna say Bucante? Bucante? I, I don't know how to say it. It's probably Bucante, probably right. Right. I'm I'm just butchering that. Moving on. So, this wouldn't have been this famous if it hadn't been for the fact that the midshipman at that time was actually Prince George V of England. Okay. Um, He was only a midshipman. (laughs) I'm laughing because in my notes I wrote the price of Wales. He's, he's got a price tag on his ass. The Prince of Wales. The Prince of Wales. The Prince of Wales. <laughs> that would be one Prince George. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 didn't you know in England they denominate currency by royals? It's like two Prince Charles. Well, whatever, that's why it's the only midshipman. Yeah, I don't I didn't even know that they actually put, you know, the members of the royal family. On ships. Like no, yeah. What's his face? What's his face? Was in the navy. Um, Philip. No, no. Philip was in the navy, but then one of the boys also. Oh, so it's a long tradition. Yeah, I don't remember. Or maybe about princes. Someone, yeah, one of the boys in the navy. So like, yeah, there. It's compulsory that they have to be. I think. It seems Some like an occupational hazard. I mean, especially in those days, it was so easy to die at sea. I mean, yeah, but there were like many children, right? I don't know. I mean, so like George was was in line to the throne, I think. Or anyway, yeah. so right. So the midshipman who who made the report was um, later to become King George the Fifth of England. He was on this ship with his older brother Prince Albert Victor, and they were sailing near Australia as part of a three-year journey. Jeez. So um. The report was that a ghostly ship crossed the bow of, of their ship at around um, 4 a.m. Oh, wow, they have exact times. <laughs> it's legit. Well, I mean, <laughs> this is according to King George. I guess nobody was going to contradict I'm quite sure that was the time, so. <laughs> um, And apparently, um, as it appeared, there was a, a glowing red light and to kind of signal its appearance, I imagine, probably fog yeah, as well. Yeah. I mean, also 4am, it's really dark. It's kind of already, the scene is already set for something really eerie. And it's only cabaret. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then when the the, content, the ship, yeah, the ship. <laughs> approached um, the spot where the, where the ship was seen by um, Prince George, uh, they couldn't find anything. There was absolutely zero trace of a vessel having ever, ever been there. And, oh, okay. I, so so you, I didn't pre-read my notes. <laughs> so I'm learning this with you. So I, it says here, actually, the night was clear. So there actually oh, was no fog. <laughs> fog. So I think this is probably why um, 
It was George was even more convinced yeah, that he yeah. definitely saw a ship, and why it was even weirder that they didn't actually find anything when they went to investigate. But this is the really creepy part. Okay. <laughs> After they saw this, the guy who first spotted the ship, so not Prince George, he's the one who made the report, but the, the member of the crew who first um, saw it, yeah. fell off the top mast what? to his death. Okay. So the, Wait, but when you say fell, like he had an accident? Yeah. He threw himself off? No, no, like he just, he just, he fell. just fell, like as a, you know, seemingly by coincidence. Oh my god. But he was the first guy that saw this ghost. So, okay. I mean, it started the legend of people dying after they see the ship. Because you see, like, there's some other accounts also of where people mysteriously die oh. after um, seeing it. So this report was backed up by some, like, 13 witnesses. So Oh, wow. Yeah, it wasn't just, like, one man's fantasy. Okay. Keeping in mind that sailors are notoriously superstitious, like, especially at this time. Yeah, like, if one person said, then it probably wouldn't be that hard to convince. Also, we discussed the whole issue of not contradicting the future king of England. Yeah. So, <laughs> small issue. Okay, next sighting, 1939. So, um... Uh, people at Glencairn Beach in Cape Town, here in South Africa. Oh. Yeah, they reported seeing a ship in full sail race at them in the water That's at true. such a speed that um, they thought it was going to collide with the strand. And um, apparently they, some people also saw the ghostly figure of the captain himself. So it was really weird because... Basically, there's all these people on the beach. They see this ship coming up. Oh, so it was coming into the beach. I mean, yeah, it was it was coming at him. Like you're standing at the beach, and this ship is Um, is nearing the shore, and it looks like it's just going to run around, Uh coming at like ramming speed, and then it just sort of disappeared. Uh (laughs) And then 1942, middle of World War Two, a Nazi admiral who was. manning a U-boat invasion of shipping in the English Channel out to the Atlantic, uh, he reported that he saw the Flying Dutchman sail um, between them in full charge, as, uh, as clear as Why day. is it always racing? Yeah, that, that's the interesting thing. It, it's always going very fast. And I think it's probably got something to do with, at the time that the ship went down, like when Van der Decken and his crew were, were on the uh, original ship, they would have been going at a really fast pace um, to try to somehow beat the storm. Because, you, you know, like, I think especially with those old ships, like, the more the wind is pushing against you, the faster you're going to have to go against mm-hmm. it. Okay. Maybe. I don't know, or Van der Decken was just so crazy that he was somehow also ordering them to go at, like, full <laughs> not Full knot? Ramming speed? Ra- it's called um, ramming speed. No idea. 100 knots. Quick, <laughs> hundred clicks per hour. That sounds right. Which six? Tick tock. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> okay, so um, the Nazi admiral he he was called um Karl Donitz, and apparently he reported this to Hitler, but I couldn't find what Hitler's response was to this report. Like I feel like probably Hitler would report right. it. <laughs> I think he was yeah, I very like superstitious. Just, like he seemed to be one because he was collecting all kinds of like occultist. Yeah, I get that vibe. And things. Do you think that if this guy had been like, look, Thunderdecking is haunting the English coastline, 
we can't in bed. <laughs> like, maybe you could have stopped World War II right then. then you know, I mean, Hitler would have just turned around and gone <laughs> back to Germany. I don't know. <laughs> so wait, did the guy who reported them die? Oh, yeah. So it doesn't actually say, but, I mean, the rumor is that people who see this die mm. um, fairly soon afterwards. I mean, if it makes any difference, they did lose the war. He probably did that <laughs> in execution or in battle. Right? That was all the Yeah. Flying Dutchman, guys. The reason. Netherlands. We won. Netherlands came through. <laughs> okay, so this is actually an earlier sighting, but in 1835, a British Navy vessel also almost um, collided with what they said was an old sail ship with um, very tall sails, apparently at the last minute, um, as they sort of spun to avoid contact with the ship, which is it's apparently it was like a really, really big ship, um, it just vanished into thin air. So the claim is that um, Van der Decken's ship is doomed to sail the seas, basically to eternity, and that it will deliberately um, try to come across other travelers, and that if you see the Flying Dutchman, um, this is a sign that something terrible is going to happen to you in the future. Okay. Okay. And he doesn't look like a squid. Okay, so we're doing, we're getting to the Pirates of the Caribbean reference, but okay. yeah, I mean now that you bring it up, so the interesting thing is, um, so in Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's chest, chest I think it's yeah, called. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. Um, Davy Jones is the yeah. captain of the Flying Dutchman, mm-hmm. right? And and the whole thing is that the crew, um, are like enslaved to the ship. Forever. Yeah, and they have to ferry souls and everything. So, so it's they kind of mashed up a few um, um, marine mythologies there. Okay, because there there are some accounts or some tales of the Flying Dutchman where um, his job is to ferry souls, especially those that um, die at sea. Okay, but again, like as I said in the beginning, Flying Dutchman refers to the captain himself, not actually to the, the ship. ship. Okay, so. It's a little, I mean, you know, mm. Disney magic. Yeah. <laughs> as they say. Okay, so, are you ready for science? What? I know. Okay. This I call this in my notes my bullseye moment. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, wait, bullseye. The science guy. No, no. no I don't know bullseye. Wait, wait, wait. Who acted as... Oh, <laughs> the guy who acted as uh, David Jones in Pirates of That was bullseye. Yeah, no, hilarious. Not, yeah, okay. <laughs> right, Sorry, maybe that was my brain. That my brain is is powerful. Yeah, it just made that connection yeah. on its own. Yeah. And even now I did that. <laughs> okay, science me. Okay, getting ready for physics. Oh, God. Okay. No, no, it's fine. Okay. I didn't really read that. Okay, this part is also, you're, I think you're going to be really excited about it because okay. it's, it's cool. So, the speculation is that all of these sightings of the so-called ghost ship actually have a pretty simple scientific explanation. And that um, it's explained by this phenomenon called Theta Morgana. I know, right? What does Morgana have to do with scientifics? <laughs> that sounds mysterious. And incidentally, Morgana, um, which of course is taken from Morgan the Fay, the half-sister of King Arthur, it's from Arthurian legend, 
and definitely something I'm going to do at some point. Yes, um, do it. Part do it. Because I'm obsessed with Arthur Lee Legend. Oh, that's like the coolest yeah, thing. Me too. I mean, also with Morgan Le Fay. Yeah. She's back. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not a threat to my people. <laughs> so, um, according to uh, Mariner Warner's uh, book named Phantasmagoria. Hey, hey, Mariner. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Marina. Oh, coming Mar- I think together. it's Marina. Marina Warner. I think it's Marina. Um, so, uh, Fata Morgana was named after Morgan de Fay, as I said. Uh, the Normans uh, brought stories of Morgan's magic to Italy. Um, and particularly, she was known for luring sailors to her underwater palace. Wait, she can exist underwater now? Yeah, according to this <laughs> version of, okay. of, of the legend. Um, so, yeah, apparently she had this underwater palace. And she conjured visions of castles in the air to lure sailors to her. Okay. Um, so that's why uh, Feta Morgana is associated with these kind of mirages seen on the ocean. Okay. Um, and this um, myth arose near Italy, especially because um, uh, Feta Morgana is particularly prevalent in southern Italy's Strait of Messina, where a priest named Father Giardina also experienced his own vision of a mirage. Uh-huh. There's an explanation for uh, why you would see something like a ghost ship on the horizon. Mm. So how much do you know about refraction? I have heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> this just good from that's kind of the basics. Okay, so the main thing here is um, uh, temperature gradients, right? Mm-hmm. So, if we're thinking of the ocean, right? Mm-hmm. The sun heats up the um, air just above the ocean. Yeah. But then, um, near the um, water, the, the surface itself, it's quite cold, right? Right. Because the, the water itself is, is quite chill. So, you've got like the sandwich uh, layer of, of relatively um, warm air and then cold water. Now, when um, light uh, hits down onto the water, and it hits the boundary between these two layers um, of different temperatures, mm-hmm. and and because um, they're different temperatures, they're also different densities. Okay, right. Um, it actually bends. Right, okay. Right. Got so in, instead of going through as like a straight line, as mm-hmm. it would through like um, a piece of glass or something, it, it literally goes off at an angle. Mm. And then it travels through the next layer at a different angle, and that's refraction, basically. Okay. The process of refraction. So it causes a mirage um, because of how your brain processes this. So your um, eyes expect um, light to travel in a straight path between the object and yourself. If the light is actually bent on its way towards you, your brain is actually going to think that the object is is straight in front of you instead of where it is, which would be off at an angle somewhere okay. else. So that's why, um, you know, like if you are fishing and you get into a river or something, you'll think a fish is right below you when it's actually like somewhere to the left or, yeah. or further off. Fun fact, interest, like interestingly, 
Apparently, the brains of some fishing birds, like ospreys, actually correct for this process of refraction. So instead of um, thinking that the bird is straight below them and missing the target, the, their brains actually process the bird as being where it really is. Yeah. It already accommodates for the refraction. Oh, that's cool. I know. I'm like, I'm sorry. In what world are brain, are bird brains suddenly more sophisticated than that? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's not fair, it's cool. but it makes sense. Okay, so in the case of the Fatal Morgana Mirage, basically what's happening is that there is a distant object, in this case a ship, um, light reflects off of it, and as it hits the colder, denser surface of the ocean, it bends, and that, and you're seeing now this this new path. But your brain places the object where it would be if the light came to you in a straight path, which means that you actually see they see the object higher than it is. So basically what's happening is that a ship that is beyond the horizon, you're actually seeing that on the horizon. Okay, so every time they're seeing this ghost supposedly ghost ship, it's actually I mean what they think there's actually another ship out yeah. of sight. Exactly. That is bringing up this illusion. Right, and you think that so can this ship it. is even sailing towards you, but like, but then it mysteriously disappears, but it was just a mirage. Okay, so that means that it can it must be relatively far away then, because like, it was a clear day and you don't see any ships around you, that means the ship, the actual ship, it's, must be yeah, like, really, it, it's far. really far. Because remember that the surface of the Earth is curved, right? Mm-hmm. So if something is below the ocean, it's not only far, but it's also slightly below mm-hmm. your eye level. Right, right. Okay. So, yeah, which I thought was pretty And cool. so, does it also appear faster than it actually is? Um, what would be the reason? That I don't know, but I do know that there is a relation between um, speed and distance. Mm. Um, I know it's definitely, there is one with, with sound. I'm not sure about like with mirages and things. But another example, a well-known example of a mirage is that like, on a really hot day, if you look out at the horizon, you'll usually see like, the, the um, air kind of like sure. um, shimmers a bit. Yeah, there's like waves mm-hmm. in there. And that's also because of the, the temperature gradient between the surface of the road and the air just above it. Okay. Yeah, so that's the oh. fatal mirage. I mean, that makes sense. But also, I want to go through. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, science, blah blah. <laughs> but it's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, no one's to say that it's not a ghost ship, but it could be a mirage. There's an explanation. Yeah, yeah. No, it's always good to analyze these things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I'm wrapping up basically. The last thing I'm going to say is some examples of the Flying Dutchman in pop culture. Oh, yeah. So, uh, one of the most famous. It's um, Richard Wagner's 1843 opera, The Flying Dutchman. Mm-hmm. I think he was really well known for like, these really serious topics. Because uh, think about like Flight of the Valkyries and stuff. Yeah. Like, I think he yeah. was into like, a lot of mythology and stuff. <laughs> um, the Coleridge poem, Crimes Ancient Mariner, I mentioned before. Right. Uh, Paris the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's it. the most popular. I think that's probably the most recent recent yeah. just like obvious yeah. pop culture reference. I mean they're popular too the now but I don't know I think the name the Fine Dutchman was mentioned a few times but I don't think they make a big mm. deal 
Yeah, that's like, true. Like, like, they really focusing more on the idea of Davy Jones mm. and Davy Jones' father. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, apparently, uh, Captain Hendrik van der Decken also appeared as a character in Spongebob. Oh, I mean, that makes sense. It is underwater. <laughs> <laughs> so that was quite cool. And then cool. he has also made an appearance in a Scooby-Doo episode. What? <laughs> <laughs> So, I, yeah, that also makes sense. I mean, it's all about this. <laughs> so that especially floated my boat. <laughs> no. <So>. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I got all this information from all that's interesting.com, ancient origins. Oh, right, referencing. Um, Wired.com and Sir Kevin's historical facts, which was. Sir Kevin! It, it was my own particularly informative. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And cool. that's the legend of the Flying Dutchman. Yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. Wait, there's a photo. Let me see. Okay, so this is an illustration of Hendrik van der Decken. What the um, fuck? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Why does he look like a monster? Yeah, as you can see, they de- depicted him like really with demonic eyes. Oh, yeah. And then you can see that the crew almost looked like souls of the underworld. Yeah, I thought I'd see this guy. It's like he's bleeding like that. Kind of, yeah, it's just like that's how signifying the sheer desperation. Yeah, so they're really trying to like get all possessed by the dead thing. Yeah, and you can see like the entire angle mm-hmm. of the ship in this portrait. Also, can I just say like ghostly green water? Very, <laughs> very ghostly. <laughs> right? There's a the weird glow as well. I can legitimately say I didn't know any of that. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I only knew the name. I mean, I didn't even know German. <laughs> yeah. That's new flying Dutchman. That's amazing. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. So that's, that's really all that we have today. Yeah. How long was this? Like two hours? I think this was <laughs> approximately half my life. It is a time thing. Oh, there it is. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's it's legendary. I think it's good. <laughs> oh wait, I was gonna make another pun. Yeah, we probably don't need it. Okay. Oh, I was gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say, are you sure they weren't just having fantasies of the Flying Dutchman? Fantasy? Fan- fan- fantasy. <laughs> That's even worse than the <laughs> yeah, reference. Yeah, That's awful. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, so did we figure out how to end this? Um, well, I think yeah. we're just gonna say um, we'll be back next time with more stories, ancient modern ish. Yeah. Don't know when. But soon. I mean we're in lockdown, it's not like we have anything else for No, I gotta run. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, places to go. Dutchman just well, never mind. <laughs> uh, gods to smash. Gods to smash. <laughs> gods to poor libations too. So basically, uh stay safe, stay home, stay sexy, and stay legendary. Keep smashing. Ha <laughs>